opportunity to have me visit you. We'll talk about Israel, we'll talk about Zionism, we'll talk about the peace, the war, the future, your opinion, my opinion. We're going to hash it together and come up with something brilliant for the future of Israel. Check it out. Shalom and welcome to all of you lovers of Hashem, His Torah, Israel, and the Noahide Nations. Folks, we're glad that you're here with us today on the Noahide Nations show. I'm your co-host, Ray Patterson, and of course, with me always is my co-host and cohort, Prescott Johnson. Prescott, how are we doing today? I'm fine, Ray, but I was going to say I'm not with you always. There is only one who is with you always. And it's not me. I, I stand corrected. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for pointing that out. Yeah. Well, it was, um, uh, and, uh, and I hope you take it as a word of encouragement that there's always someone who is with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I'm encouraged. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to be encouraging you later. So. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I just thought this might be, I mean, I usually give a weather report, and uh, <laughs> so I thought this might be a good substitute for a weather report. Yeah, you switched it up real nice there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, the show we did last week, I think, was fantastic with Andy and Jacob on uh, the Rambam. Yeah. Uh, we hadn't done anything. I mean, the No Hide Nation show, we'd never done anything uh, as far as the Rambam that I recall. So it was really kind of neat to be able to mm. uh, focus in on uh, Maimonides uh, directly for the entire hour, it was it was kind of neat, especially when you talk to a couple guys like that. Well, you know, we, you can't uh, you can't deal with the Noahide laws without uh, citing Rambam, and uh, and we are constantly referencing him. But to actually do a show on him was was good, and uh, um, you know, uh, and and really the the collective knowledge that those two bring to the discussion. Uh, on any subject is really quite, you know, quite fascinating. They, they really, they've been uh, studying a long time and uh, know their stuff. So, oh, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, their yeah. class is going to be fun. So, folks, if, oh, yeah. if you're, you know, if you got nothing to do on a Thursday evening, even if you do have something to do, cancel it, rearrange it, and <laughs> and get in on their class because it's going to be an outstanding class. I mean, uh, the Rambam is. Well, I don't know. A lot of people consider him a primary source, some not so much, but irregardless, irrespective of which way you, you believe, there is not a, a lot of folks that are better than he was at bringing us Torah. I mean, he was just mm. monumental and a, and a giant, and to be able to even just take the Mishnah and codify it is a, 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 an amazing feat. And he not only did that, but he wrote many other books while mm-hmm. also being a physician. So it wasn't like uh, a Rambam had a shortage of things to do. And by gosh, he did them. So <laughs> that's, uh, uh, his, their class is going to be very interesting and very exciting, I think. So if you get a chance, you know, pop on in and sit in on the class and have, have a listen to it. I think you'll yeah. enjoy it. And uh, during that show, we also you know, talked about kind of doing a follow-up show on Zedeka, which was the two previous weeks. And, you know, me in particular, I, I felt 
out, we kind of just left some things that should have been mentioned that weren't mentioned, and not because we forgot to mention them, we just simply didn't have the time. There just isn't enough minutes in the hour. <laughs> so, no, no. I mean, we're usually pushing the edge of the envelope as and, it is. So, And an hour in radio time actually translates into about 44 minutes or something like that. So. Yeah, I think it's yeah, it's between 44 and a half to <laughs> 46, just depending on how the edit goes. <laughs> And the radio, radio, the radio uh, station does need to make money through advertising, so we'll we'll give them that. You know, we're not going to ask for our full hour. <laughs> right. And uh, speaking of the Rambam, I think the last thing we did in that show was we spoke on Rambam's eight levels of uh, charity. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to really get into those because it took a whole hour to get through them last time. <laughs> so we probably don't even want to be mentioning that. But there were, you know, a couple things that were mentioned that, you know, just for clarification purposes, if we weren't clear before, I'd like to go ahead and clear that up right now. Let's go ahead and talk about a couple of these things. And one of those was that we mentioned the sabbatical year when Prescott was speaking uh, about the farms and the farmer and how far are you supposed to harvest the crop and where are you supposed to end. And the sabbatical year, you're not supposed to replant. The field is just left untouched and Hashem brings forth what he brings forth. And that is every seventh year that that would occur. And it's basically a giving a Sabbath to the land so it can renew itself. For those of you who didn't know what the sabbatical year, that's what the sabbatical year is. Also, I mentioned multiple times, and it, it is appropriate <laughs> because it is a good analogy, but when I was saying that you know, teaching somebody to fish rather than giving them the fish is you know, not to take that literally, though I... You know, kind of consider myself an avid fisherman. Um, and I would, you know, I'm more than willing to have people come down and I'll teach you a thing or two about how to fish. But it, literally, that's not how you're supposed to take it. It's basically, you know, if you're able to teach somebody else how to be self-sufficient, that person goes off and starts being self-sufficient, then that person can in turn teach somebody else to be self-sufficient. And ultimately, mm-hmm. if everyone were to do this worldwide, there wouldn't be any poverty because everybody would be self-sufficient. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Giving them, yeah. Giving, giving them a job, uh, anything that moves them from depending on others to where they are now looking after themselves ultimately is the goal. And that's kind of that the, the progression in those eight stages is to really reform both giver and receiver. Um, so that the, receiver becomes a giver and that a giver goes from being a grudging giver to being a teacher and somebody who basically uh, helps elevate those around them in in the way that they give you know not just to give money but to then help others improve their own life and uh, in this way so it's uh, it really is a i think a wonderful pattern a wonderful program that we all should be trying to uh, uh, implement on every level of government uh, in terms of reforming our whole social order. Right. I, I agree. And it's really an excellent point you made because, indeed, the person who is receiving the Zedeka also becomes the giver because by receiving it, the giver then becomes the receiver. 
It's right. really kind of interesting when you really start digging into a little, a little bit. It's a two-way street for both. Mm. <laughs> it's yeah, it's yeah. really Hashem really created something phenomenal here, and we do need yeah. to start taking advantage of it. One of the other things I wanted to mention that I, you know, after reviewing the last couple shows uh, on on Zedekah was we we kept mentioning the poor. The poor, the poor, the poor. Even in this show, I've already, I've done that again. And though that's how most of us, including me, would tend to take this when you're giving, well, you most naturally think of giving people that are less fortunate than you so that they can have a little bit more just to be able to take care of themselves and, and feel some comfort in, in, all, along the way. However, that doesn't mean that it's strictly or exclusively for poor people. That's not what giving is exclusively about. And we're going to kind of, you know, learn a little bit more about that today because I really feel that that's kind of some of what we left on the table due to time constraints. And mm-hmm. I'll, I'll just, you know, throw an example out. I had, uh, and you're, you're probably familiar with him too, Prescott, and are, are aware of this, but a very good friend of mine and a good friend of many, many people and responsible for many mm-hmm. people giving up their previous belief systems and, and becoming Noahides, a man by the name of Vendel Jones, who actually mm-hmm. we awarded our Noah Award at the last World Conference. And that's kind of a, for lack of a better term, a, a lifetime achievement award because of what he's done for the Noahide movement. Well, he and his family have found themselves in somewhat desperate straits. And uh, I, I received a letter from uh, somebody who also knows the family very well that the family was going deeper and deeper and deeper in debt due to the fact that Vendel, uh, sadly, uh, has cancer. And he's going and getting radiation treatments right now. Uh, he's lost a tremendous amount of weight. He, he can't, he can't speak because the radiation is burning his lips and his throat. And, uh, my gosh, they're, oh. they're having some very, very difficult times financially. And, you know, we can certainly pray for his well-being and for his recovery from all of this. But at the same time, we can certainly uh, offer some help financially because they are well, literally tens of thousands in debt. And so what I did is I, I received this letter and decided to go ahead and, you know what, Noahide Nations can help out here. We're going to. And we put up a, I put up a notice on the Noahide Nations Yahoo group, and also we made a big announcement on the homepage of the Noahide Nations website. And I am happy to say that after a mere week and a half, I think it's been a week and a half, two weeks at the most, I just sent a, a check very recently to them for nearly $4,000. Wow. Because Excellent. of people just like yeah. you and I who have heard the message, know who Vendel is, and many of these folks don't even know who he is. But they, they know from what we have said and what was written in the letter, they know how important uh, this man is and has been to the Noahide movement, and they don't even know the half of it. I mean, mm-hmm. I didn't. We didn't even go into all of the digs. We didn't, didn't even go into uh, his time serving with the uh, IDF uh, on the front lines uh, during the the uh, Six Day War. You know, he was considered a hero by many in yeah. Israel. I mean, he's done. Uh, you know, I oftentimes uh, when I speak of Vendel in regards to this. I always consider him to be the Gentile who's done more for Israel than any other Gentile that I know. 
Yeah. He's one of those kinds of guys. And for those of you out there who would like to help, here's an example of donating to an organization who can then disperse funds as necessary. And in this particular case, it was uh, specifically for Vendel Jones and his uh, family to help alleviate some of this, you know, this, this medical expense burden that they are now e- experiencing and only getting worse. So that's a, a kind of one of the things that we wanted to get into today is, you know, answering that question. To, okay, I've, you know, I've got it, Ray and Prescott. Uh, you know, giving's a good thing. I, I'm really in the mood for this. Now what? Well, here's one of the things that you can do beyond uh, helping somebody out who might be in need of some help individually. You can donate to organizations who basically do the same thing. We have people who uh, send letters to Noahide Nations asking for help, and this one with Vendel is just one of many, and we do try to help as many people as we can. Unfortunately, we just don't have enough funds to be able to do that, but you know, as time goes on, we're getting more and more folks increasingly donating to Noahide Nations so we can help a lot more people and have been able to do so as of late. And, you know, it was great to be able to sit down and write that initial check to Vendel and his family to help ease their burden. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's really great news uh, because, you know, I think it's important when uh, people realize that when appeals like this go out, sometimes they never hear what the results are. They never hear what people have stepped up to the plate to do uh, because it's encouraging uh, to people to become a part of the giving. I know that some people sometimes worry that if they talk about what people have given, that other people will say, well, you know, lots of lots has been given. Uh, so I, I won't bother giving because, you know, there's already a lot that's being done. Right. And, uh, you know, and, and I know we're going to get into this later. So I'm just going to say, you know, if you're only giving, thinking that it's a giving for giving sake, then you've missed the picture on Sadaka. That there is more to your own spiritual well-being at stake here that we didn't cover in the first two shows. So anyway, so for those who gave, thank you. And I'm sure that the Vendel and his family really appreciate that. Right. And the campaign is ongoing and we want to help yeah. uh, as much as we can for as long as we can. So folks, if you are so inclined and led by Hashem to uh, make a donation, you can do so at our Noahide Nations website at www.noahidenations.com. And also a little more housekeeping, uh, just to kind of uh, change things up for a moment here, because I have been forgetting for the last few weeks, but I want to make sure that our email gets out there. For anyone who wants to send us comments, questions, anything at all, please just send them to noahide at israelnationalradio.com. I was just looking at this list uh, of the eight levels uh, that Rambam uh, had written about, and I noticed like the one that we just we're discussing with Vendel, it looks like it's number six of the eight, which is a person gives, but only when asked. Uh, this was kind of what occurred here, but as I mentioned in the previous two Zadaka shows, that even if you're at the lowest level of giving, you're in a more elevated state than most people in the world today. Because mm-hmm. giving is always a good thing, regardless of how it comes about. So yeah. uh, please bear that in mind. Look at the goodness that is coming from a number six. 
<laughs> so, 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 or even if it's that uh, bottom level where Ray and I are, are conjoling you and prodding you and poking you in the ribs to give and you're giving grudgingly, that's still praiseworthy. So, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, here's uh, probably another question that uh, I know I've gotten a few times uh, since uh, we did the last two Zedaka shows. And that's, you know, again, where do we send the Zedaka? And uh, quite honestly, the, the way you need to kind of look at this is Zedaka really begins at home, not to use a cliche, mm-hmm. but it begins at home. In other words, if your parents are, are, are hungry, Mm-hmm. You must help your parents out before giving to a homeless shelter. Okay? If your parents aren't hungry and they're doing fine and everything is as well as in, in most cases, then yeah, okay, give to a, a homeless shelter or give to an organization who, you know, disperses money to homeless shelters. But it always starts at home and then from there it just goes outward in concentric circles. Just, just continues to go outward where it's your family, your community, your country, you know, that type of thinking is how it goes outward. And again, you know, and I want to echo the my, my sentiments on thanking everyone who participated in giving so far to uh, Vendel Jones and that little mm. that little campaign we have going. Now, there is another campaign that is actually a daily, uh, you know, 365 days a year campaign, and that's to support an organization like Israel National Radio. Mm-hmm. You know, every time we do a show, we take a, a bottom of the hour break, and you know, oftentimes I throw in there, so we have to, you know, let the INR, you know, make a, a little bit of money here. And when I say little bit, I mean little bit. I mean, it's not like we're Fox News and are able to sell ad space for millions of dollars. <laughs> I mean, it's that's just not how it is. So whenever you have uh, you know a few extra dollars and and really want to give to a good place, Israel National Radio is one of those good places that could certainly use your charity and uh, your goodwill. I mean, even if it's not charity, if you have time to offer that you can volunteer and you know be a producer for you know one of the shows or what have you. I mean, you just yep. really have to put on your thinking cap and figure out just what can I do. Yeah, and and they have they have monthly uh, donations set up because uh, I'm a monthly donor with uh, with INR, and uh, you know because I believe in the uh, programming that they provide and the message that they're uh, they're sending out to the world, and they're helping. They're not just helping uh, Israel. They're not just a local organization because they are on the internet. Their message goes right across the globe. So absolutely. And it's pretty much, you know, 24-7, even if they're not on for a given hour. Yeah. You can go and download shows. So yeah. they are putting out a, a great word by a great many people. And I have mentioned from the very beginning here, uh, this is a, a radio show that's put on by, uh, you know, a couple of Gentiles, a couple of Noahides, <laughs> that as far as we know, it's the first time in the history of man that an Orthodox Jewish organization has offered something like this and actually followed through on it and allowed it to happen to where they're involved with a Gentile organization 
such as Noahide nations, mm-hmm. and us with them. I mean, it's really, how can I put this? Gosh, I'm full of cliches today. It's a marriage made in heaven. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> it's really a phenomenal thing. So uh, they really believe in the, the Noahide. They believe in the seven Noahide laws. They believe in Gentiles and Jews working together in order mm-hmm. to manifest Hashem's destiny for all of us. And not only do they believe it, they actually do the things necessary to manifest it, to make it happen. Because anybody can talk about it. It's the people who are the doers that actually change the world. And by gosh, Israel National Radio, let me tell you folks, they're a bunch of doers. So if you get a chance to help them out, you know, by all means, do what you can to uh, help out the folks at uh, uh, INR because they, they can really use it as, as many organizations. In fact, one of the things that we are going to be uh, talking about is organizations that you could be donating to and the whys and what fors of, of being able to do that with, again, the main thing, and I, I just want to reiterate this from the previous two shows, is the highest level of giving isn't what most people would think that it is. The, the reality is to help somebody else. Help somebody become self-sufficient. In doing that, you're, you're, you're taking care of mankind, in, in essence, is what you're doing. I mean, if you help somebody, for example, if you help somebody start a business, that person can then feed himself, and guess what, folks, maybe another five or ten other people besides. So if if you help somebody start a business by giving them, a, say, a free loan, and they get the business going, and they're able to uh, employ 5, 10, 15 people, that is helping him or him or her and then other people along the way. And then certainly these folks ha- are in a position to then help others become self-sufficient by their teachings and their help. And, again, you do stuff like this often enough, we would find ourselves with no poverty. Mm. Well, you know, and it's interesting because there was um, a program that I don't know how long ago it was set up, but uh, they started uh, these microloan programs in uh, in these other countries where there was high rates of poverty. And it was, uh, they would just set up these small loans by by our standards in the West. They didn't cost much money to implement they would set up these small loans with mothers, with wives, who then would go out and they would start buying and selling and make a profit and pay eventually pay back the loan. And it was incredibly successful. I mean, it was true, if I dare say the word capitalism at work in, in changing the lives of people through this simple uh, process of setting up uh, these, these microloans. And uh, I know that Ray and I had had talked about this uh, in the past, and it's one of those things that really does require organization and and structure and so on. But it, it would be really great if there was a, a Noahide or even a, a Jewish microloan program uh, established to to do that with you know people who would have similar needs and and would be connected to either the Jewish community or the Noahide community. But it, the but the idea here is that you're not simply giving somebody something for nothing, that you're really empowering them to carve their own way, to right. to elevate themselves. Absolutely. So. Yeah. Well, listen, that's a great place to end this 
segment. <laughs> We've already hit the bottom of the hour. Yeah, we and did. And again, we need to sneak on out of here so that our friends at Israel National Radio can make a buck or two. So let's go ahead and do that, folks. Please do stick with us. We will catch you on the other side. Like a spinning top or a dreidel Can we make a dreidel? Eight nights, eight lights Prescott and I have been talking about Zadaka, trying to uh, wrap this three-show series up. And I'm afraid, and you know, Prescott, you and I have talked about this multiple times, I'm, I'm truly afraid that even after three hours, there's still not going to be enough to be said on the subject of Zadaka. And uh, maybe we can do some more later on, but hopefully people have gotten a pretty decent message out of the three shows that we've done and mm-hmm. you know, begin looking at it in a, a much more serious way. You know, One of the things I wanted to mention, I was mentioning to, this to Prescott during the break, that it kind of coincides with where we left the first half of the show, and that's in in helping somebody else become self-sufficient by, you know, putting them in business or teaching them a trade or what have you. Rashi tells us that it's actually kind of higher but in the same category where you're being sensitive to someone before he's in trouble which is an interesting concept, not Mm. that we're all prophets or anything like that, but Mm. oftentimes you can see the writing on the wall where somebody is going to be running into a bit of trouble. Oftentimes it's in the news where there's uh, layoffs and industries that are being hurt by the economy, and you know people that are in that industry. You can kind of foresee certain things happening before they actually happen. Of course, God forbid they do happen, but let's face it, folks, this is life. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes, you know, bad things happen to good people. And we need to be always on the lookout for that. And, and Rashi tells us that it's really being sensitive to the opportunities to help somebody before they fall into deep, deep trouble. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the sages kind of explain that, you know, it takes a, a one person to support something before it falls, but after it falls, it, it may take five or ten people or uh, an endless number of people to be able to lift it back up. Right. Which I, you know, I find that very interesting and very true and practical in the world that we live in today. So I wanted to, you know, really mention that because, you know, Rashi's, uh, he's a favorite of mine, a family favorite, as they say. <laughs> and I, w- I would love to have been around when, uh, uh, Rashi was around too. It's just a lot of these great, great, great sages were just probably really something really to, to behold and to just sit and study under. I mean, it's really a, an amazing thing. Now, speaking of these folks, and Prescott and I have talked about this uh, extensively, and it has to do with 
supporting organizations that are teaching Torah. Sometimes this is difficult for folks to, to really get into, but it is so true that people who support mm -hmm. Torah ensure the ongoing, how can I put this, uh, ensure the Torah always remains. Right. If, if we were to stop supporting Torah organizations, uh, organizations who facilitate the teachings, the teachers who teach the teachings, if we were not to support those, Torah would go away. And I know that is a difficult concept to, to get because, guess what, folks, Torah is never going to go away. Torah was here at the point of creation. Torah will be there at the, you know, when creation is done, it'll hmm. still be there. But that's in the heavens. Here on earth, as you can see, many, many people in many, many countries doing everything they can to remove God from our daily lives. And I don't even care. The gods, sometimes they're idolatrous. The point is, is the concept of God they're trying to remove from people's daily lives. And if we allow it to happen, guess what? It will happen. So we need to keep people involved in supporting Torah organizations. And in fact, Jacob was who we can learn something from in this regard. You know what I'm referring to, Prescott? Um, hmm. You know, I know you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just, uh, I'm just, uh, well, let me give you a hint. Strategic time for the audience to, uh, think about it, right? I don't want to answer for everybody. <laughs> oh, that's what that signal was. Pause, <laughs> delay. <laughs> Actually, I'll, let's give him a hint. It has to do with the blessings that were given to his, uh, uh 12 sons. That may help. And the commentators always generally put these two together. And that, my friends, is Zebulon and Issachar. I was going to say Issachar and Zebulon, but... Well, that would have been close enough. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, the real question is, is do you know why? <laughs> uh, no, I don't, actually. Well, I'm going, to, I'm going to claim ignorance on that. Well, it's... So you tell me. It's a well-known in the Torah world that Zebulon and, and Issachar had a very very uh, symbiotic relationship. And it's not that it was just them, because it did involve the other tribes as well, but these two were the epitome of this. And by that, uh, I want to mention that Jacob uh, kind of you know, gave a blessing to Issachar that Issachar was going to be handling the burden of the study of Torah and that all the other tribes would come to Issachar and ask for decisions to be made on you know, legal Torah questions. And the, the descendants, basically, of Issachar would be the members of the Sanhedrin, and, and basically the scholars, the Torah scholars, that just basically 24-7, or maybe I shouldn't say 7, 24-6, but yes, on the seventh day, they probably studied too as they were teaching, but they were to occupy themselves with the study of, of Torah and basically helping the other members of the tribes with legal questions as far as the halakha, but also be able to teach the other members of the other tribes Torah. And Zephilon was given the blessing of commerce. They were great at commerce, at, at ship 
building and they lived along the sea so they were tremendous mariners and were able to import and export and they were true <laughs> you mentioned capitalism early on mm. i'm going to mention it again zebulon were true capitalists they knew how to make money they knew how to run business they knew how to be successful but you mm. want to know what they did they took their success and prophets and shared that with Issachar. Why? Because Issachar was not going out to generate enormous amounts of profits through commerce. They were to study Torah. They were to teach Torah, which is paramount in our existence today, both Jew and Gentile. Zebulon supported those who study Torah and teach Torah. And for that reason... The sages put these two together when they speak on this whole charity and Zedekah and doing the right thing. They bring together Zebulon and Issachar as the examples. Hmm. It's really amazing when you think about it, but then again, not so much. Because these, this is something that we should just know without ever having to be taught it as a word. It should be something that's in our hearts. Sadly, I have, and this does truly make me sad, I have listened to a lot of people who have said that a Torah should be free. <laughs> I mean, you probably heard it too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. and, you know, I've been with, uh, you know, Noahide Nations now going on five years. And we've had our Torah Learning Center, which is now the Academy of Shem. And we've had to charge for some classes. And then we stopped charging for classes and charged for memberships because there was only a limited number of people that we could actually get into the classrooms. And, you know, we had to find ways in order to support what we were doing. I yeah, mean, yeah. having having an online virtual yeshiva is not free. And yet, everybody either thought it was free or thought that Ray and his wife were independently wealthy or something and that we would just go ahead and take care of it. Well, you know what? That's We can only to a certain point. And this is, this is one of the things that, I, in fact, I've had a number of rabbis actually tell me this because it was something that really began to bother me with people saying, well, you shouldn't be selling any classes. Torah is supposed mm -hmm. to be free. And I mean, it just hit me after a while. It was just, this is not right. Something's wrong with this. And so I started talking to rabbis about it. And the one that really stands out, and they were all pretty much in the same vein, mm -hmm. you know, came out with the same thing. But this one hit me like a, a ton of bricks. And that's it. Well, of course, right. Torah is supposed to be freely available. However, there is a cost mm -hmm. in learning Torah. Why? Because there is a cost in teaching Torah. Guess what? There are no yeshivas that Jewish people go to to learn Talmud, to learn everything that are under the umbrella of Torah. It is not free. Mm -hmm. They must pay to attend the yeshivas. It's not free. So there is a cost associated with that, and they are spending years and years and years acquiring knowledge and wisdom and now sharing that with you. How is this deserving of being worth nothing? Yeah. It isn't. So what Noah Nations does is we do what we can to support our instructors and, and you know, try to come up with ways to 
be able to do that, but we're the organization that's kind of like the hub. We facilitate the ability to be able to put all these teachings out into the world that Gentiles can you know, truly take advantage of. Again, we need people's support in order to be able to do this because we no longer charge for classes. It's, it's, we offer them for free, but we're dependent upon donations. The donations go away. No hide nations go away. The Torah we've been teaching goes away. And it's the same with any organization that does the same thing. Teachers of Torah and organizations that facilitate the teaching of Torah need to be supported if you expect Torah to be around for the next generation. Yeah. I mean, the math is very simple. Well, I mean, and and the reality is is that we, we, we know this from secular examples of the value that people place on things that are given freely to them versus the value of things to people who've had to go out and buy them. Right, right. If somebody gives me a car, I might appreciate the gift, but if I had to go out and and pay for that with my hard-earned money, I'm going to make sure that that's going to last because uh, I'm... you know, I got to pay for the repairs, and I and right. I know that that car has to last me. <laughs> right. But if I if I have the attitude, oh, somebody's giving me a car, and uh, you know, in another three years, somebody else will give me another car. Well, you're not going to look after it. You're not going to you're not going to value it the same way. And and we know that this is one of the principal problems with the welfare system of a lot of Western nations, is that the level of accountability to those who receive housing and so on is lower. And because uh, it is lower, they often, and not always, there are some people who have the right frame of mind about this, but there are many who see this as something that doesn't need to be cared for. They don't need to look after it because they didn't pay for it. Somebody else paid for it and gave it to them. And I know that we've, because I know that Ray and I have have talked about this because we're we're constantly trying to figure out how are we going to pay the bills and how are we going to <laughs> grow the organization and you know so we say well do we remove a membership fee in in the case of Noahide Nations in hopes that it will attract more people into the classrooms and and into the site and use the site and and purchase items from the store because all of these things play a role in keeping uh, an organization like Noahide Nations going. And the fact is, is that that's what we did. We changed the structure. And in retrospect, you know, I asked myself the question was, you know, did we in fact do exactly that? Did we devalue the teaching in the eyes of, of, of the students? Because now it is free. And so it's like, oh, if I show up, I show up. If I don't, I don't. But if you have to pay money, well, you're going to get your money's worth. You're going to want to, you're going to want to make sure you're getting your money's worth from the organization that you're supporting. Right. It, it, it's, it's, so it's one of those things that we're still working out. I mean, we're not, we're not announcing here that we're going to change the structure or how we're doing things, <laughs> but I'm just saying, uh, speaking out loud, what I think, the thoughts that are in my mind, speaking them out loud, these are the things that we deal with because we understand that many people who come to the Noahide path still don't quite understand or don't quite get how things work in uh, in the Torah world because they may come from another religion, another tradition, which is kind of funny because, you know, I know that I, I came out of the Christian religion and they were very, there was a strong emphasis on tithing 10% of your income to the church. And I have to wonder if some people coming out of that tradition come out and almost with an, uh, you know, here I 
gave all that money to the church and I'm not going to be caught in that again. I'm not going to, you know, nobody's going to find me uh, giving uh, 10% of my money to charity and whatever because I did that before and it was all a lie. It was all a sham. And it's like you really have to maybe abandon some of your your previous thinking altogether and try and understand that in the Torah world, you know, giving is still a big part of the Torah world. And you need to simply get over your own anxiety over the injustice that you may have felt right. has been done to you in the past. Right. Because the fact is, is that right or wrong, the principle of giving is very important in all of the monotheistic, quote unquote, traditions whether Islam, Christianity, or Judaism. And so leaving one and and resenting the fact that you gave all of this money and and for what, you just have to realize that when you were giving it, you were giving it often with the right intention. You were giving it for the purpose of blessing others, for doing good to others, to helping others, despite the fact that it turned out that perhaps where the money sometimes went wasn't where ultimately Hashem would have desired it to go but you were living in error as we all were when we when uh, for those of us who came out of the christian faith and we just need to set aside those things we need to get past that anxiety that anger and get on with the business of spreading torah of helping torah organizations right exactly and torah when you think about torah was one the thing that brought them out of the previous belief system. Absolutely. So to turn around and say that that's of no value yeah. doesn't make rational thought. Uh, exactly. In fact, yeah. uh, it, this is very interesting. Yeah. It's in the, the Talmud how the sages put this as far as the blessings on uh, Ishkar and uh, Zebulon. Ishkar was the blessing of heal us, right. which does parallel uh, Issachar uh, for this reason. The tribe of Issachar was much occupied with learning the Torah. The Torah is a healing medicine for every person. Zebulon received the blessing of bless mm-hmm. this year. And it relates to Zebulon, who was the merchant, and with the profits of their trading helped support Issachar. And there is just a whole host of ways that this can be put to, to be representative of these simple statements in, in the Talmud. Uh, because this is what it is all about. And it's not just, you know, no hide nations. I mean, I can sit here and say that we've had some great teachers that have taught in our virtual yeshiva that are no longer teaching because we couldn't pay them, because we just don't, we don't have the money. We're just trying to, to, to keep our heads above water. But it's not just no hide nations. It's Israel National Radio. It's our Route 7. It's Rabbi Richmond's mm-hmm. Temple Institute. It's Mental Jones Research Institute. It's all of these places that need the support of people. Mm-hmm. And I know, and I, I, I don't know how much time we really have for this, but it's kind of a wrap up. We wanted to talk about atonement and yeah. what giving does for that. So Prescott, help me out here. Well, everything that we've talked about has, you know, really centered on the actual activity of, of, of the giving itself. But what we didn't really talk about was the personal benefit that each one of us receives spiritually because of what we do. As we approach Yom Kippur, In the Jewish world, there is a strong emphasis on the giving to those in need, to giving to Torah organizations, as a part of your personal atonement. This is for the things that we do wrong, 
there is still an atonement that is required. And I know that when I left the church, I left an atonement system that said I just need to uh, say a prayer and ask for forgiveness and my sins were forgiven right. and so on and so right. forth. But, and, and, and one of the things that I was taught was that we didn't need the middleman. We didn't need the guy on the cross as this form of atonement that we could just go directly to God, the Father, in, in that parlance. That we could go to Hashem and simply repent of our sin and be forgiven. And one of the things that was really not emphasized, at least from where I was and my journey out, uh, what I really didn't understand was that there was this, still this need of atonement in terms of my physically actually doing something to earmark what I had done wrong and how I was trying to rectify or correct my behavior. And one of the things in Judaism that is taught is this idea that through the giving of tzedakah, that we atone for our wrongdoing. And this is, uh, you know, this is basic Judaism, but it's something that, as I say, you know, when I came out, I came out and into this new relationship with Hashem is, oh, okay, I just go to Hashem and I ask for forgiveness. But the fact is, is that what Hashem asks of me is he asks of me to bring a gift. And when there was a temple, we brought animals. Right. But one of the uh, one, the teaching of the sages, and we, we learn this from the Tanakh, is that the giving of tzedakah is a form of repentance. It's that form of atonement that we bring to Hashem by taking of our wealth, by taking of what we own, giving it to the poor, giving it to Torah organizations, and 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 surrendering it as a sacrifice. Uh, might not be the best word to use, but that's the word I'm going to use. That this is is our way of atoning for when we sin, when we err. Right. And so therefore, when we give, we're not just giving for the sake of giving. We're giving to get. We're giving to receive the forgiveness we desire for the wrongdoing that we did. And we have to understand that that's, that is the connection between, in the Hebrew of tzedakah, with tzaddik, righteousness, justice. That it brings, it, it, that that is part of bringing about righteousness in the world is through our tzedakah, our giving. Right. Well, and they, they teach that if there is a decree of judgment made against you by the heavenly court, that giving can alleviate that judgment, can get right. it set aside. Yeah. Therefore... That's a big it, deal. It, it, a really big deal. <laughs> and people aren't going to know how much of a big deal it is until the day it becomes a big deal, which is the day you're standing in judgment. Yeah. Yeah. So... So this is uh, so this here is a kind of our, our wrap up on this is that while we've talked about the physical act of giving, it really is there is that spiritual component that we never spend a lot of time on uh, because sometimes we just need to understand the breadth of the issue and uh, and you know maybe at some other point we'll actually deal with the this issue of atonement as atonement as opposed to the connection to a tzedakah. Sound, sounds good to me. Yeah. So, folks, anyway. we're going to have to sneak out of here pretty quick because we've uh, hit the top Run. of the hour. Uh, it's been <laughs> great to be able to spend this uh, time with you, and uh, we hope you've gained some knowledge and wisdom uh, from these three shows on Zadaka. And certainly, if you have any questions, comments, you know, please feel free to send them to us at noahide at israelnationalradio.com. And until next week, folks, have a great week. Shavua Tov. Shalom. 
LL's new one-stop shop, booking a vacation to Israel has never been easier. It's simple. The easy-to-use system allows you to book your flight to Israel and customize your travel plans with LL's travel partners in the tourist industry and realize huge savings in the process. And now, for Arutsheva listeners only, order a flight and hotel in Jerusalem or Tel Aviv through the Arutsheva site and get a free cell phone with 60 minutes to use absolutely free. Click on the banner on IsraelNationalRadio.com.